All right, team, you've heard Beast. Jean has once more turned evil, so we're just going to have to kill her. Again. As usual, we will split into teams. Team A will consist of myself, Emma, Colossus, who is also apparently back from the dead, Duh. Beast, and Wolverine. Team B will consist of Havoc, Polaris, the other Zorn, Iceman, and Wolverine. Welcome everyone to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Heck yeah! I'm your host, David Luzader, and with me, as always, is... Nicholas Cher Muxness. Fantastic. Welcome to the show, Nick. Welcome to the show, David. Welcome to the show, listeners. Now, I know you're probably wondering, hey, what happened? Where have you guys been? And that's a great but- question. Let me handle this one, David. Let All right. Me, well, it is your fault, I, so go for I it. Know, I know. I feel it, it is my fault, and it's my fault for not letting listeners know sooner that it was David's fault. Oh, That, that it didn't happen. That it didn't happen sooner. No, actually, I, I will take the blame. I was visiting family the week before, and this week, uh, workly, work, work duties? Workly. I don't think workly is a word. Work duties. <laughs> it could be. Uh, <laughs> it is now. Listeners, if you will, please take workly into your life and spread it um but my work duties took me out of my home state and it was i was not in a position to do the show that's that's basically the non-controversial version of why we weren't here for the last couple of weeks that's the, that yeah, being that, said well so that's david that's, that's the gist of what happened is in the, in the first night that um two weeks ago it was very last minute we realized okay we're not going to pull this off the way that we 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 could have recorded an episode but it would have been not to our standards yes uh, so what we kind of is what we had decided so we thought hey we'll just take a week off you know everyone does it every once in a while not a big deal the following week my idea was you know hey I'll get I'll get somebody else that I know that reads comics to jump on a show with me and we'll do kind of a special guest thing it'll be great that didn't work out at all. Which I didn't take that personally at all, and or cause the person that you were trying to bring on to die violently. Well, there was nobody who even like volunteered for it. That's how. That's, that's how this went. Un- that's unfortunate. Uh, so anyway, I decided to do a solo show, which I did, and I have it's recorded. As sad as it sounds. And I, <laughs> uh, I. Uh, I did a little one-man show. I actually had a, a, a ventriloquist dummy with me. I can't actually do ventriloquism, but it's okay because you couldn't see my lips. Uh, I have it recorded, but it, I had issues getting it up online. So that end of the day just also did not happen. And here we are now, two weeks since our last show. This is the official episode 19. There's the lost tapes on official episode 19. Which, Maybe uh, someday when we're, you know, like big and important, people will come back around and be like, what happened to those lost tapes? And, you know, I'll, I can auction off the audio file to uh, episode 19 and people will hear it and be like, oh, that's, you know, that steaming pile of shit. Let's <laughs> never listen to them what, again. I know. And ruin our legacy completely. It's, some things are just better left unpublished. Is it publishing when you put out a recording? Produced, unproduced, unreleased, unreleased. Let's go with unreleased. I got it. Sounds the best way to go in that All one. All right. We are both college graduates, and this is our show. <laughs> yeah, 
that that was the alternate title before we settled on heck yeah comics yeah we're got, college graduates we're... and we have a show yes uh, stop provoking tonight's episode brought to you by dogfish head pumpkin ale uh not actually brought to you by that but uh, my performance tonight is <laughs> uh my uh we also have a sponsor from poland spring because that's what i'm drinking it's intoxicating it's water it's good water it's poland spring water now uh, this is not the heck yeah beverage podcast do they do they ship poland spring down there i don't really know how far it goes i'm assuming it goes everywhere how, how question, far down does this go water all the way for another day what people want answers to though are comic books that have been released what people want to hear about comic books oh yeah that's what we're here for so come on get in the game i know you've had a little vacation here but the show is the show all right uh just a heads up before we get into it we're not doing an event update this week because we have (laughs) that's kind of an event unto itself (laughs) it's true the event (laughs) update there is no event update (laughs) Uh, instead, you know, we're going to kind of talk the backlogged stuff. So before we get into comics, I know you have not had a chance to watch it yet, Nick. I feel like you say that a lot on this show. Nick hasn't watched this. Nick hasn't read that. What? When? No. <sighs> you say anyway, that. I'm going to talk a little bit about Gotham, which premiered earlier this week on Tuesday, I believe. Yes? No. Yeah, mm-hmm. Tuesday. Mm-hmm. 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 So it is the show that is it starts off with the murder of Bruce Wayne's parents and we are following a sort of young Jim Gordon in his rise I guess through the uh GCPD It was a very well-shot show the script was weak in places but I thought that the uh the depiction of the crime bosses in Gotham were was spot on, and if that becomes sort of the driving force of the show, which is what they set up in this first episode, uh, then I think the show will actually do very well. I think that it will it, it will separate itself from other superhero stuff because it's not it's not a superhero show. Yeah. It just happens to be affiliated with a well known superhero, uh, much like Agents of Shield. Um, which is not doing so hot in its second season so far. Is what were the ratings on the first episode? The NCIS spinoff beat it. Ooh. That's all. I know. Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up right now. And, uh, it is hard to compete with NCIS. All you know, uh, love it or hate it, those those shows are very popular, and there's less commitment in trying to understand a greater cinematic universe to follow along. That's true. But on Gotham, uh, however, it is well below series debut ratings. Which is... Hold on, let me see if I can find. So in the rap, uh, season two premiere of Agents scored a two point one national. That's the number of people that watch it live. Uh, the debut was four point six. Which is that low? I don't really know. No, four point really six is high. Rating. So four point okay. six. It's like four point six million essentially. I, okay. From what I would vaguely understand if we're wrong please email us and correct us so it's a 59 percent drop from last year's opening which is not good does not bode well anyway now we're here for well uh, i bet they almost anticipated that the show was definitely rocking the ratings the, the season before 
And I mean, it's I, I imagine that the ratings were so high in the debut just because I mean that was coming off of Avengers. It was it was a huge deal. It may not have panned out as that the ratings didn't continue to either rise or stay steady. But I mean, I would say that if there say there was a third season, I would be more concerned about comparing like the second to the third. Well, I mean, obviously you, you expect a dip. Yes, but you don't expect that huge of a drop off. Well, uh, how, how low was the dip compared to like from the last episode of the last season to this episode? Okay, because because yeah, it because it from the first episode, it, I know it dipped a ton on subsequent episodes within that season. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that, that that's kind of my thought. But I actually want to go back to Gotham. A yeah, let's bit. talk about Gotham. Not so, that I can talk about it too much, but I wanted to get your impression first. I know a lot of people were kind of it, it is it's it's uneven in a number of ways, especially in the script department. Um. I'm think I'm 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 actually going to be I'm this is me picking your brain a bit before yeah, no, go I, for I, it. I before I get into the show myself. Play some devil's um, advocate here. Oh, not not even per se, okay. but um so it obviously is centering a lot on the villains because when you kind of deconstruct Batman's world, I mean there's him, Alfred, Gordon, random mm-hmm. police characters and then the villains. <laughs> Henry so Bullock, you, yeah. <laughs> and 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 Bullock. Um so when when you're when you're trying to go back to a point before it all, before Batman, you know, just after his parents' murder, or starting with his parents' murder, you know, and you know that at some point, like the 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 destination of the show has already been decided. Like obviously, it's its own universe, and they can play around a little bit. But I mean, like we're watching, we're watching Poison Ivy grow up, we're watching Catwoman grow up, we're uh, watching the okay. Penguins rise, you know, to infamy or whatever you want to say. But I feel like at some point. Like, I mean, Bruce is like what twelve years old in the in the in the first episode. Yeah, and he's he, he's he really, young. He he probably wouldn't be Batman until at least at least twenty, which is pushing it. Right. You know, so you're you're talking about ten seasons, watching characters who well, even when Batman was on the scene, weren't necessarily at their peak. This show, but this show doesn't. From my impression, it does not need to end with with batman coming onto the scene yeah and even well, if it did you could have you could have an 18 year old batman or like you know like bruce wayne is a young kid out there trying this out and failing miserably and they could always do a time jump between seasons so i mean there's 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 narrative devices that they could utilize yeah. if they so is they so please i guess it's more of and it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things but just you know speculation for the fun of it you know that you know, you can only, and this is somewhat ironic coming from someone who's been reading comic books for so long. He's seen like this happen thirty times in a single title, but you know, sort of the, the rise and fall and rise and fall and rise and fall again of characters. You know, because at, at this point, if they're if they're simply rising to their ultimate destination before Batman comes in and punches them all into Arkham Asylum, you know, it's it's. I, I can see why maybe that the show, and this probably is only coming from the from the mindsets of actual comic fans, not necessarily casual viewers who just are like, oh, hey, some sort of Batman-related show. So how is I this picking like, my brain exactly? I think I'm picking my own brain at this point. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, kind of, you're kind of rambling here, so I'm going to kind of I'm gonna interject myself into this. Uh, now, Go I, ahead. Now, I, I get what your concern is, and it's kind of turning into the Smallville thing, I think is what you're, what, where you're kind of going with all this, where you have a, the young hero... Or you know the young protagonist, and they're dealing 
with these villains that they're so famous for dealing with when they're the iconic hero in the way uh, in Smallville where Clark Kent faced Doomsday, he faced Lex Luthor, he faced all these big threats before even putting on the cape. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that is that is a possibility here. I don't know how many of the big names we're going to get. Uh, I've already got a lot of them in the first episode. Well, but here's but here's the thing. Uh, Selena Kyle was absolutely useless in this episode. I don't get why she was interjected the way that she was. That is one of my biggest complaints with this series. Mm-hmm. Is so well so far with with the with the opening episode. I shouldn't even say the series. I haven't seen the rest of it yet. But just they interject her so much. I even texted you and I said we're five minutes into this and it feels like it's the it's the Selena Kyle show mm-hmm. more than it's like anyone else because she was the only one that we saw for so long in that intro. Anyway, um, the young Ivy was okay. I can see them building an interesting arc with that, but the characters of Cobblepot and Edward Nigma. Uh, by the way, everyone heard that. Uh, is that Edward Nigma is is very much a side character right now, mm-hmm. and he wasn't even like pro- they weren't even like oh yes this is our new forensic you know forensics guy it's Edward Nigma it's he was on screen for two minutes for a conversation and was gone, mm-hmm. and you know he acted very much like Edward Nigma, uh, which I very much appreciated. Uh, Cobblepot I think is set up in a very interesting place. I think, it sounds like he's going to be the breakout character from all of this. He's going to be, yeah, he's going to be the, what it's going to be focused on at first, because you already have Carmine Falcone and you have Fishy Mooney, who are kind of the, the main uh, antagonists at this point, as well as the, the police department itself. The way that this whole first episode resolves is that Jim Gordon gets a close look at the corruption in Gotham and decides to start attacking it from inside the system. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what the series is launching off of. And yeah. I really appreciate that they weren't like, oh man, there's all these weirdos around here. How is Jim Gordon going to deal with it? They, they, they grounded it very well. It's going to have a little bit of television cheese to, you know, to keep the, keep the drama going. Uh, and I don't want us to spend too much time on this because we have plenty of comics to talk about here. Mm-hmm. But my final thoughts is I'm going to keep watching it. I'm going to give it probably five to six episodes to see how it's grabbing me. And if it's still, if I'm still in it enough, you know, then I'm going to keep up with it week to week. If I'm not, then I'll probably catch up when it falls on Netflix next year sometime. Yeah. Just if I hear that it's worth getting onto because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. still haven't seen a single episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Enough about the television talk. Let's talk about comics. Let's let's just go back to uh, the first week that we missed. The big story would have been Copperhead. So let's talk some Copperhead. Copperhead. Well, I, I'll start off being like, pretty cool. Okay. Pretty cool book. I like the art. Uh, mm. I, I bought it on Comixology, so I don't actually have it in front of me at the moment. Jeez, but, I'm looking at it right uh, now. But, um, you know, Jay Faber, if I'm pronouncing it right, is one of those writers that, like, I always see his name, you know, over the years, mm-hmm. um, books here or there. I've even picked up some. Uh, I believe he was the one who wrote Dynamo 5. Um, and, you know, and I would read issues here or there. And it was never, it was never like I, I wasn't hooked and I didn't want to read more. But like, for some reason, I just didn't. 
you know, okay. but I've, so I've never really tightly followed him, but his name's always been in my peripherals. So something about Copperhead though, I was drawn to it and, and certainly the art was a big factor. And as far as a uh, space Western goes, I, I'm pleasantly surprised. I'd, I'd like to see how, it, how, you know, where it goes. Mm-hmm. So I kind of briefly ranted about this in the episode that nobody has heard. Uh, that I'm a little bit over the space western genre, mm-hmm. um, and in what I really appreciate about about I was pronouncing it uh, Fairber myself. What I appreciate <laughs> in his little letter at the end, he says, "I'm I'm not the first person to think of this, not by a long shot. I don't know what the first space western was. I've heard about you know stuff on Star Trek, and you've heard Firefly, uh, night like '80s cartoons with, like Galaxy Ranger and Brave Star." The whole space western idea is not at all new. My sort of complaint is we're this we're super advanced futuristic society, and we're still living in dirt. You know, mm. we're still living in like these dirt wooden shacks most of the time. But uh, uh, you know that uh, that's a whole separate thing from what we're talking about here. I my first reaction to Copperhead when I first finished it, I was like, okay. That's fine. It it was serviceable. But after spending a little more time thinking about it, uh, I v- actually very much enjoy it. I think my initial reaction was kind of because there was so much hype around it. You know, people were like, oh, Brian K. Vaughn said it's his favorite new book. And, you know, he writes Saga, so obviously this is the new Saga that's coming on here. And that, I didn't get that at all. Mm-hmm. You know. It, it's hard to be in the same orbit as Saga. I yeah. Think. Yeah, and it would be an unfair comparison because, especially because there's, there's apples and oranges as far as oh, no, what they're ab- trying to accomplish. Absolutely, and I, I think that the world that they've created um, in Copperhead actually does lend itself to some very interesting exploration of racism and classism. Um, I'm really interested, actually, in the artificial humans. That they oh talked yeah, about. yeah. Yeah, I am. I am really interested in that. And obviously, we're gonna get more of that kind of right right away, based on the ending. Uh, if you, you remember the ending, right, where the two kids are kind of stumbled upon by the artificial human. Yes. 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 All right. Yeah. No, I know it's been a couple of weeks since. Right. since right. But, but, uh, but yeah, and but, I think but, I think that you're you're. Oh no! Sorry, you continue. Well, you know, I was gonna say you have kind of the you know the typical you know oh she's she's a tough woman doing it for herself kind of character coming in here and no one's giving her any respect so she's got to earn it and you know at first i was just like okay you know we're gonna do this like a typical way everyone's gonna underestimate her and she's gonna come in and like kick ass and do stuff uh which she you know she does kick ass and that sort of does happen you know uh but i thought it was handled pretty well i thought especially her interactions with the um the what's his the the deputy whose name I'm not even gonna try and pronounce. I think I think they call him uh, Boo. Boo. Yeah, they kind of, they end up just calling him Boo. Yeah, I appreciate because his his disdain for her is more because she's human, and it's not because hey you know you're a female. Well, well, no, I I thought it was also because he was lobbying for the position that they ultimately passed on and gave to her. Well, exactly. Well, that's the thing. And they kind of talk about you have that you have that apartheid aspect in this as well, yeah. where 
you know, he's saying this is this is sort of our planet. We have more jurisdiction here in the sense that this is where we are. And yet humans come in here and they're getting promoted. You know, you're not even from this planet. You don't have the 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 pull that I do with these people. Mm hmm. So and I, I ultimately ended up appreciating that very much rather than it being like, oh, and worst of all, you're a woman, you know, he just he hates her because she's human. And I'm totally down with that. Yeah, that's fine. So there was a there was something that I thought was going to be super tropey and parts of this are a little tropey. Can we just be perfectly honest? But something that I thought was going to be really tropey that ended up not being quite as bad. Everything in here, you know, everything that everything that's happened or that's happening has happened before and will happen again. But that doesn't mean we can't enjoy it and have fun with it. And I think I'm I'm gonna give Copperhead a very fair shot. Uh, good luck if you haven't read it yet, getting a, getting your hands on it because they sold out. It turns out that you can buy it anytime you want on Comixology. This is true. Just a, just a little plug there. <laughs> sometimes sometimes if I'm at the shop and. You know, I, I, I maybe second guess on a book or they're already sold out. And it, I'm not like, well, I'm not the kind of collector person that I'm going to like run to every shop I can find and and, and, try, and hopefully find it. I, I just like, oh, hey, Comixology, boom, bought it, done. Yeah, you there's know? some books that I just love having. I don't know. Exactly. No, we, you're right. Some books you like, you just, you got to, and you don't necessarily know until you know, you know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you read a book and you're like, I didn't really need to own that. But now I, now I own it. You know? Right, I get what you're saying, but we were talking about like trees earlier, where I didn't realize an issue of trees came out because it wasn't on my pull list for some reason, and I could just go get it on Comicsology, no big deal. But then, like in my mind, I know my you know my long box is gonna have number four, and then number six. Yeah, and I'm not gonna have number five, and that's not a big deal. But for some reason, I don't like it. <laughs> as much as we're saying we're not collectors, is something almost inherent in being a comics enthusiast mm-hmm. where, like, I'll, I have comic books everywhere. You know, I've got them on Comixology and here and whatever, you know, and physical. But, but some, like, if I have been buying a series for in a certain way, I try to keep it that way. Like, I've been buying Outcast mm-hmm. and uh, Wayward. And, you know, now at this point, I'll probably just keep buying uh, Copperhead on Comixology just because, you know, why well, have Comixology 1 here, but Comics, uh, sorry, Copperhead 1 here and then Copperhead 2 in physical copy. Yeah, yeah no, I, 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 that, that's exactly where I'm at. In Comics were originally designed as a disposable medium. They were printed on the cheapest uh, paper available. And if you're Marvel, that's still exactly how they're printed. <laughs> yeah, it's like we shouldn't it's not, care. That's not true. Huh? And that's actually one of the things. I wish that they would go on even cheaper paper. Save the good paper for the the collected editions. Well, it used to be on newsprint entirely. I wouldn't necessarily go as far as newsprint. But that's what I'm saying. That's what it originally used to be. But yeah, you know, absolutely. And uh, it certainly doesn't age well. And I'm not not against going back to it as a... uh, And I'm using the word disposable loosely, but just something where I I personally, of course, don't have any... um, I don't really have any strong collecting things. I, I, I don't have this mindset like that. I'm going to try and sell my comics when I'm older. I don't, I rarely uh, yeah, ever all. buy, you know, buy variant issues. Like they're going to take up a lot of space in my basement and then my kids are going to have to sort it out. <laughs> you know, yeah. when I'm gone. All right, that, I'm going to do of... something here that might uh, disconnect us. Okay. Sorry. Uh, it's, are you there? I'm still here. Okay, good.
Okay, we're good. Yeah, I have this. I forgot. I have this extension on my uh, Google Chrome that allows mm-hmm. me to uh, have my IP address appear from a, a different country, so I can watch Netflix. You know, like Canadian Netflix or UK Netflix. Is it different? Yeah. Like how different? Uh, Catching Fire is currently on the UK Netflix. They actually have all the episodes of MythBusters. Uh, they have different, like a whole slew of different movies that we don't have on both Canadian and UK. I want this extension. Yeah, I'll, but we'll talk about it later. I'll tell you about it later. Are we still recording? We're still recording, yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> folks. We didn't get disconnected. Okay. A little aside there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, all right. But but yeah, so I, I, I now this is completely not about Copperhead, but... But no, no, I, that's fine. I, we were kind of on. We were kind of on the side already. I, I, I would, I would love. First off, it would be cheaper. Comic books. I realized that individually, you know, buying one comic book is like, hey, I buy one coffee a week. But people don't buy one coffee a week, and people don't buy one comic book a week. I certainly value my comics higher than I value coffee, which I don't drink at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it's so expensive because i i want to buy every single comic that i find interesting and that unfortunately some books just do get left by the wayside you know if they were a dollar or two cheaper just because they were printed on cheaper paper mm-hmm. and this is coming from someone who is not educated in economics but i'd like to think that they could potentially sell more you know and then you know that hopefully would make up the difference. If anything, they'd they'd be making the same amount of my money they're making anyway at you know four dollars a pop. Mm-hmm. You know, and then say variant editions. Variant editions could be public, could be produced on more expensive paper, which would only increase their value. Yeah, you know th- things like that. I just I, wish they would do that because I just don't need. I, I don't want to be a quote unquote collector. No, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, but for the sake of time, we're moving on. This is the Heck Yeah, We Are Not Collectors podcast. I'm a little bit of a collector. I am the yeah. collector. Yes, anyway, from Guardians of the Galaxy. So let's oh, talk oh, oh. about... Uh, t- tell me about Spider-Verse 2 real quick. Give me a little rundown on how that went. And, you know, we didn't well, talk about Spider-Verse 1. Probably not going to talk about Spider-Verse 3. But Spider-Verse 2 was the big one. With Spy- Edge of Spider-Verse Edge of Spider-Verse. Two. I apologize. Yes, right. You should be sorry. Um, there's a considerable amount of hype behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, largely in part due with it's, it's uh, it's a cool female character, you know. Which I'm not necessarily trying to emphasize the fact that she's female, but that certainly means a lot to people. Especially uh, the costume, when it comes to Marvel for some reason. Yeah, um, her costume, the the costume designed by Robbie Rodriguez is is awesome. It's a cool costume, bar none. No one's definitely arguing that. Though uh, the hood makes no sense. How does she see? Peripheral vision is gone. Well, presumably she has a spider sense, so you that okay. might not matter. Anyway. So, so anyway, but hoods just look cool. Not everything about costume has to be practical. And oh, certainly no. oh no, absolutely. I'm just I'm making a joke. I know, I know. Um, but as far as story goes, it was it was okay. Hmm. You know it 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 wasn't. I don't know if I was just in one of those moods again today where just like nothing was quite singing for me, like the books I read today. But like I read it and I liked it. I wasn't blown away. And I and when I finished it, I was like, part of me thinks that maybe the hype is playing into this, that I, I, I can't help but feel let down because the hype was so much bigger than the book could ever actually be. At the end of the day, Jason Latour, Robert Rodriguez, um, I think it's Rico Renzi, 
they, they came in to do a job, a job that they, they were clearly enjoying to do. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's not like this. This book isn't the Messiah, you know. Right. So kind of and, kind of my thoughts on Copperhead. You know. Yeah. This this book. You know. I I, I hope at the same time I hope it's a cool universe to explore. It's it's usually generally hard to keep a series that takes place in an alternate reality, to 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 be successful long term. But I I part of me does hope that the hype is strong enough to give this book more life in the future, mm-hmm. because it, it, there's enough there set up that that could totally be played with in the future yeah Yeah. assuming that this gwen stacy spider woman makes it out of spider verse alive Um, which Which she probably will she probably will given the hype behind her right now exactly like marvel would be foolish not to capitalize on it but (laughs) it's it's one of those things where it was it was a book it was a it was a wait marvel not capitalizing on something that's ridiculous what was that about groot and rocket (laughs) variant covers yeah which uh, some of them are pretty funny, yeah, um, yeah. but I don't know. I feel like there's a deeper conversation I'm trying to have here that we might not have the time for. It's it's not not necessarily a excuse me a negative conversation about it, but I feel like I want the hype to carry the book potentially into something bigger in mm-hmm. the future, you know. But at the end of the day, I I hope that people aren't walking away. I hope people aren't feeling too let down, you know. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I hope that people aren't trumping it up as more than what it is. The people are being realistic with their expectations. Yeah, I want them to be realistic expectations. It's a cool book. She's a cool character. It's a cool iteration of Gwen yeah, Stacy. I mean, she's already she's already appearing in another book. Yeah, I mean, they definitely. I think once they they hit upon her, you know, they they definitely had. There was exce- there was excitement for the character before they realized how excited everyone else was going to get about it. Yeah, you know, so the plans were already in place. I just want people to be realistic about it and go for level-headed, you know. And if it leads to more stories, awesome. I'll probably be reading them, mm-hmm. you know. But I just it, – it's it's a really nice, cool exercise reading it, finishing it, and being like – there's one of those times where the hype really, really gets to you, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's – like, that sucks. Like I, w- I was excited. Like I – you know, I was – I wasn't like chomping at the bent waiting to that moment where I could finally escape to my comic shop. But I was like – you know, I like this book is definitely going near the top of my pile to read. Okay. And and I read it and I was like, it was a, it was a good. The art's cool. The writing is is competent. It's not overly flashy. Like the the dialogue isn't overly flashy. The story isn't. You know, it's it's basically her, um, trying to avoid being arrested by her police chief father, um, figuring out what she's trying to do with herself, and then being that. And then having a concert that she's in being interrupted by the rhino. Okay. Um, that, that's basically what the story amounts to. So uh, it's it's not Watchmen. And I, I guess that's what the thing is. Like the hype, and maybe I'm reading into the hype run, but it's that sort of high level of like this book is going to change everything, you know. And I don't think it does, but I still hope that the character has uh, more shelf life. Very cool. Well, yeah. here's to you, Spider-Gwen. Hopefully we'll see you around in the future. I very much believe that we will. Yeesh. Now, you spoke of a book in which they showed us a different universe and you felt like they really weren't able to pull it off that well. Okay, well, no, no, okay, they didn't have as much, didn't have a ton of staying power. Um, I want to talk about now a book that showed us another universe that I think does have a ton of staying power. That is Multiversity number two. All right. When 
Grant Morrison first launched this, I remember reading an interview where he was talking about it. Well, not when he first like launched the idea, but shortly before the book came out. Uh, he was talking about each one of these books, he was writing it in such a way that you know you could launch a monthly off of them. And after reading this, I would totally buy a monthly book based on this universe. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was Earth number 20, where you have the Society of Superheroes. Uh, you have, I have to remember all the names now, because that's been a couple weeks, uh, Immortal Man. And uh, I really, really like the fact that the Adam character, uh, what was his name? Al Pratt. Well, not just, okay, the Mighty Adam. called the, yeah. The Mighty Adam had uh, Dr. Manhattan's symbol on his forehead. I didn't know. You didn't notice that man? Come on. Let me look. Uh, he totally he does. does. You have Doctor Fate. You have a really, really great version of Abin Sur. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I was a huge fan of. You have like Lady Shiva. Just you know, all these characters that we know, and we're we're getting these different takes on them. And instead of it just being like, oh hey, no, I know that guy. These feel like very organic versions of these characters. They were very, very well picked. And I I just thought it was so good. Uh, Sprouse's art was just so spot on for the storyline. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm kind of, you know I'm kind of gushing right now. And you're I, gushing. I, you I are gushing. I totally am. But I really really liked this story. It was so good. It it was comic booky. You, you know the action was comic booky, but it's still very. It had a very real weight to it, it within the story. Uh, it, it didn't get over explainy as a lot of uh, Grant Morrison books can kind of get, which is unfortunate. You know, it's like, oh, here's this character, and here's a really detailed background on them for no reason. It's just I felt comfortable with these characters after the first few pages, just mm-hmm. because of you know how he wrote their interactions with one another. They felt very, again, just very real. Uh, what else was I going to say about this book? Um, real good time. Oh, uh, well, g- give me your thoughts before I say what I was going to say. Hey, I liked it. Um, I mean, I'm, it's definitely a world that's trying to be both futuristic and retro at the same time. And I, I don't dislike those worlds. I'm not like, I'm not crazy about them, mm-hmm. but there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. I love the two page, the two page splash with like the, army guys and like the robots flying and like chaos going on um it's it's i actually didn't know what i thought this book was actually going to be set in like the 1940s and it it, i don't know maybe it might be but like i said it's sort of a a retro future 1940s well and you know and which is still cool go ahead no 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 which is which is still cool um there's so many elements in this book. Like it, it definitely deserves a second read just to kind of feel like to get even more immersed because it, it is trying to throw you into like issue 37 of society of superheroes, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I, I and that's one of the things that I, I liked about the Gwen Stacy book too, was that like, I, I like stories where you just kind of get thrown in. You kind of have to figure it out as you go. This, I, I this like, feels like I the like start of a like new that. arc. Yeah, exactly. Like you, these characters have pre-existed before, and I think that's a testament to how well they were developed in such a short period of time mm-hmm. that you feel like you 
like you have missed something. You're kind of angry that you're not that you didn't see what came before, and that you know on, on a lot of levels that I know Grant Morrison has said that like he he thinks that each issue is like a springboard for its own series. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that we will see a series. For oh every, no, we we absolutely we absolutely won't. won't. But yeah. if we so were, there's also that frustration that like man, we're not gonna see, we're not truly gonna see how this universe could have expanded. There's mm-hmm. you know there's only so much time in in, in the day and. It is the officer guy was really cool. The which made me realize I was like he was in the first issue. The what guy? Oh, the Avenger. Yeah, yeah, Abinsur. he was. Like, they, they he kinda, was. He, they mentioned so, like right at the end, like I've been called to all of this. So, so yeah, so I didn't. So it, I was like, okay, so the the first issue, these books are going to jump around as far as when they, mm-hmm. is when they take place amongst the the, the greater conflict. Yeah, that's one of those um, threads that's going to be really fun to look at. Oh man, I didn't even realize he was carrying a Sinestro in a tuxedo. That's yeah, awesome. he said he said Count Sinestro. Oh gosh, that's so good. And the, the 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 dinosaur bones or dragon bones of Parallax. Yeah, and the, and there's elements where it's like my my head was trying to reconcile like five different iterations of DC Universe at once because you're having concepts like Parallax, you know, that technically started in the '90s, but was that this particular entity was developed by Jeff Johns in his more modern run. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, you have sort of the 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 retro future, the the more classical era, and the you know these these sort of pulp versions of the characters, um, and then, then like you said, you have like the there's just, there's a lot here that it's like it's pulling from every era of the DC universe. Like it's all they're all tugging and pulling at each other. Like there's a tension between these different time you know time periods and and I don't know. But it's 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 a cool uh, mashup world. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a really big fan of these kind of like, like you know you said 1940s like the 1920s to 1940s universes with superheroes I was a huge fan of First Wave uh, which was a Brian Azzarello series that came out back in 2009 that dealt with um, you know th- these versions of Batman and Doc Strange and the spirit in, this, in a world very similar to this that's why I'm such a big fan of uh, the Five Ghosts I, just, I, I don't know why I'm drawn to this era as far as these stories go. Hey, you like what you like, and that's all anyone can ever say. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about briefly the the next issue, that little uh, preview we got at the end there. The uh, For about the, the just? Yeah. I'm at, That's actually one of the issues besides the Frank Quitely issue, uh-huh. which I think everyone is excited for. Yes. That, anyway, the just, I'm, I'm actually excited for, partly because... I like these sort of like the second generation heroes, mm-hmm. you know, and this is going to be a mashup world of sort of like the heroes from like the eighties and nineties and, and, and two thousands sort of being allowed to exist in their own world where a reboot isn't going to wipe all of that progress away. Granted, it looks like they're all going to be self-indulgent douchebags, but it reminds me very much of Jupiter's legacy so far. Exactly. It's, it's a very Jupiter's legacy ish look, which, you know, they've both probably been in development for the same amount of time. I'm not making that saying that there's something behind there. I hate conspiracies like that, but I, I just like, like, I like that. Um, I believe that Superman is Chris Kent uh-huh. from the, the, uh, I, I kind of miss Chris Kent. So that's kind of cool. And then the Batman's Damien, um, you know, Connell is Superboy, which is kind of funny that there's a Superman, you know, who's Chris Kent. And then Connell is, it seems like he's kind of left by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, Arouette looks cool. Uh, yeah. Sasha, I think that's 
uh, uh, Sasha Steele or I don't know what Sasha's last is. Is Steele's last name Steele? No, John John Henry Irons. <laughs> Sasha, yeah, Sasha Irons. You know, that yeah. is, like characters that, especially in the New Fifty Two, are either you know if they do come, you know they're going to be radically different than from what we know. Mm-hmm. You know, which I guess is less important to today than what future fans care about. You know, so it's kind of cool that this is in a lot of ways this is the world that could have progressed had the books allowed to be to be public, you know, kind of de- the world would be allowed to develop as, at, at a, on a regular timeline. Mm-hmm. And I like Ben Oliver's art. So gonna be a good that, that's it too. In a lot of ways, like I read these books and because they've been in production for so long, I don't really know what the exact, produ- I know besides the scripts, like I don't know how long, it, you know, all the artists took, obviously like Frank Quietly probably Frank took Wright forever. Frank a long time, yep. To draw his book. I'm sure he's been working on it on and off between Jupiter's Legacy and just stuff for years. Dude, okay, when do you remember when the last issue of Jupiter's Legacy came out? Because I'm looking at the date right here, and it's ridiculous. It was a while ago. Yeah, it was, it, a while. It was January first. Ooh, really? Yeah. And isn't and that was issue four, right? That's issue four. When is uh, Jupiter Legacy number five coming out? Uh, January first of next year. Really? No, I'm just I just pull that number out of my ass. Oh, um, uh, according to Image's website, it's going to be published October 29th. That's ridiculous. That's over yes. ten months. Yes. Oh, jeez. Thank you. Well, you know, at the end of the day, Frank Clay is one of those artists where I've been able to come. I'm just able to be like, all right, I love his artwork. I wish I could get it every day. Is that fully? But is that fully quietly though? Like, oh, I assume so. Yeah, I guess. I guess it would have to be. I don't want, maybe it's not 100% quietly, but I think it's in large part. Yeah. Part. I think, I, I think, I, I don't think anyone thinks, I, yeah. that, doesn't think that the art isn't somewhat partly responsible. Well, no, I know, I know he's very slow going. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I just like Ben Oliver's artwork. And I like that, you know, sometimes if you, some of these artists, you know, all of them really, you get them on a monthly grind. You know, and unfortunately, some issues, the quality dips. But this is a book where they've probably been working on and off on it, you know, in their free time mm-hmm. over the last few years. So, you, like, you get artwork that, like, is really deliberate, you know, like, they, they really poured over it. I just like really solid works of art. You know, I don't, I hate picking up an issue and there's a fill-in art and I, I understand it, which which kind of makes me want, like, try to focus more on books that, you like, know. Like when Marvel does their double double shipping? But they do now. Marvel, for the most part, has been good. That if they're doing like a lot of like double shipping books, like at least the same artist will draw like you know, a whole story, and but then another artist will take over for another story. Yeah. But but I but there have been times, and I think one of the biggest grievances I had was back when they were doing uh, Ultimate Comics Ultimates um, after Jonathan Hickman left the book, mm-hmm. and like there was just like an issue where it was like one or two or three different artists. You know, putting in, and not necessarily their own fault, because actually a couple of the artists I like on their in their regular work, you know, like but subpar work because it's just it's just about hitting the deadline. Mm-hmm. And I, I just like that these books these books have been deliberated over that they they they've truly taken time to pour over every panel, as far as I can tell. Yeah, and I think that that's that's what makes me the most excited. That I'm not getting a a month in and month out Ben Oliver on the next issue. I'm getting deliberate ben oliver yeah so i am not super familiar with ben oliver's work so i just i hopped on over to his blog which is um rarely to ever updated 
and he's got a he's got a photorealistic style, but he does it in a way that I really appreciate, where it's photorealistic, but it doesn't feel like a stagnant image, mm-hmm. where you can see the action that happened afterwards and the action that's going to follow through with it. It feels like a natural motion. Exactly. Yeah. And not like a pose. I agree. So, so yeah, it's interesting that he's going to be the one who's doing this sort of celebrity hero story. That makes me more excited, actually, now to see how that's all going to play out. That's going to be really cool. So I'm down. And when is the next issue? Is it is it monthly? It is monthly. It right? is monthly. Yeah. Good. I know. Right? And hey, how how cool were some of those Gotham Academy? Uh, uh, well, is, right is Gotham for? Academy coming out? Because uh, it's coming I, out in October. Because I haven't seen uh, anything for that at all. Uh, yeah, no. I think it's been kind of overshadowed by the Batgirl. Um, no, I'm know. I'm joking because it's currently oh. everywhere. Now Gotham oh, Academy oh, comes oh, out in oh. two weeks. I think Batgirl's next week. No, uh, Batgirl's in two weeks. Is Batgirl in two weeks? Or maybe it is next week. I don't know. Uh, anyway, but, I, 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 I I was. Whoa! Academy, but like, okay, whoa! Yeah, you, you just had a really weird Skype. Like, you you were skipping a record for a moment there. Oh, that's weird. Am I, do I sound good now? You're fine. Cool. I wasn't necessarily intending on picking up Gotham Academy. It's not geared to my particular interests, mm-hmm. but I like I like good artwork, and you know, I can totally get suckered in. So I'll at least try out the first issue. Yeah, I'll I'll probably uh I don't know if I have any friends here reading it all. Or maybe I'll just do that kind of thing where I hang out in my shop for a little too long, because I'm yeah. reading a comic. <laughs> that, that was kind of, that was like I used to spend a lot of time in my old shop in Phoenix, and I had this couch there, and I'd be like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna read this issue, so I would just sit down and kind of start thumbing through it, and then ten minutes later I've read it, and I'm like, oh, I don't need to pick it up now, you know, I've already read it. Yeah. But anyway, and you just stole harder money from. From hardworking people. Hey, some of some of which shopped at my store in Phoenix. Very true. I don't know if. Uh, seems like there's a there's a seems like there's a a good comic scene in Phoenix. There really there really is, and I think I've mentioned to you before that I kind of am wanting to get into some documentary making, and one that I you did one that I'd really like to do, even if it's like a short you know like a thirty minute sort of thing is on the comic scene in Phoenix. In Arizona, in general, mm-hmm. it's you know, we, we have a mm-hmm. there's a lot of really cool names there coming out of there. Uh, it's yeah, it's just a really awesome time. Like uh, you know, Eric Esquivel. I have no idea how to pronounce his name. You don't know him. All right, cool. Ooh. Eric Esquivel. Yeah. He's kind of like an up and coming writer right now. Oh, did he do uh, the Loki rock and roll? Yeah, R- R- Ragnar Ragnarok rock and roll. roll. Yeah, Thor, Unkillable Thunder Christ. Uh, he's worked on a bunch of the Wizard of Oz books. Uh, he's writing like he wrote Bravest did Warriors. Did you say Unkillable? Thunder did you Christ? say Unkillable Thunder Christ? Yeah, Thor, Unkillable Thunder Christ. Uh, anyway, he's kind of an up and coming. Oh, Thor, the Unkillable Thunder Christ. Christ. I yeah. got gotcha. you. Um. Anyway, he's out of uh, Tucson, and I did like twenty four hour comic day with him. Cool. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, let's uh let's talk about a book that we've been talking about kind of for a while, or we talked about in issue, or issue uh, episode six, which is Roche Limit. This is the book yes. by Michael Morisi and Vic Malhotra, a friend of the show. Uh, I'm just going to call you you a friend of the show, Vic. Just deal with it. I doubt he's, <laughs> I doubt he's listening to this right now. I actually, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I meant to see if maybe he would be willing to hop on here, kind of talk to us for like five minutes. Let us let us ask him a couple questions. That that would be cool. We'll um, but give give me your thoughts on the book. Okay, so the book. I'm a big fan of noir stories. Mm. I am a big fan of sci-fi. Sci-fi noir can work very well together. Um, I think this book, it's not fully noir. I'm just mm-hmm. just gonna say that it does have the noir elements and it kind of gives an inter- interesting twist to a couple of them uh like the main character is not really a you know he's not really the cop he's just kind of the guy helping the cop mm-hmm. um i i think the art really well done you know the coloring really helps set the mood in the story it, it did exactly the art in the in the uh the color did exactly what it was supposed to. There were a couple times where the art got a little bit fun and creative, uh, which was nice. Mm-hmm. The story itself, decent. I'm curious to see where it goes. Um, I, I could not name you a character out of the story, and I kind of got lost. Like I feel like a lot were introduced, and none really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's the main duo that, I, you know, again, couldn't tell you their names. I know like what they're doing. Like the guy's a drug manufacturer. She's looking for her sister. I got all that in my brain, but I don't know what their names are. I Now that you're saying that, I don't remember their names either. And not to say, you know, every time that I read a number one, I'm going to immediately remember who everybody is. But I also don't feel super super connected to these characters yet i felt like if they just spent the entire story focusing on the two main characters it would have gone a lot better yeah it, maybe I, slowed it down a bit. it really covered a lot of ground in the first issue that i i found hard to keep up with ex- yeah personal experience no absolutely and if they had just kind of slowed down like you said stayed with the two main characters kind of introduced these side characters as they intersect the paths Mm-hmm. Uh, that I thought I would have been a lot better rather than hey we're going to tell you this one main story but there's also two other main stories going on at the exact same time and everything's really yeah. interwoven and convoluted I was like nope hey just start me simple you don't need to yeah. give me everything yeah. like have just yeah. let it be let it be lost episode one where the pilot is dead in the trees and we're like holy crap what's going on here yeah and that's and I think Lost is an interesting comparison because Lost I, I'm not a big mystery guy. I like mysteries. I don't seek them out, but at the end of the day, what what I care more about than the mystery is the characters. Mm-hmm. Well, and, a noir story is gonna have a mystery in it, and, and a noir story has to have a mystery. And, and I'm not necessarily as big into noir as you. A lot of parts because sometimes I feel like the characters are left underdeveloped, and I haven't read a ton of noir. So if anyone has any cool recommendations. You know that that you know highlights great character work. Definitely shout out. Uh, there's a um, there's a movie called Brick on Netflix. Starring I have heard of Brick. Joseph Gordon and I love it. And I know it's by Ryan Johnson. It's on my list of things to watch. Anyway, continue. Um, is it on Canadian Netflix or American? It's Netflix? regular Netflix. I think it's still okay, on regular just... Netflix. Anyway, keep talking. I'll find out. Anyway, <laughs> um, so at the end of the day, like go going into it for me. Roche Limit wasn't necessarily a book that I would normally seek out, but I wanted to give it a shot. I like sci-fi. I like the intent of noir. 
Um, but what I ultimately found was that the mystery overshadowed the characters. And my personal reading enjoyment comes from really uh, attaching myself to the characters so that by the end of the mystery, I don't care who did what to who, who got shot, why they got shot or whatever. If I care about the characters, mm-hmm. like, you know, if the journey itself was entertaining and compelling, then it, it could have been the snowman in the dining room with a pogo stick. You know, I think I I've just, read that I don't one. care. <laughs> it's a good one. Um, you know, but I left the first, I walked away from the first issue feeling uh, detached from the character. Like you said, I don't remember their names. Um, I don't necessarily care that she was trying to find her sister. I got that, you know, clearly her sister has gotten caught up in something weird, you know, and, and disturbing. But I, I, I don't know anything about this, this, this woman who's trying to find, not, not this woman, but like this character who's trying to find this other character. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to give me the, their whole life story. Like maybe they were, you know, they were estranged or, or whatever. Like, I just, I just wanted to care about this particular character and there was nothing there. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't even in it that much. And if she's the main character, that you know, that's usually a problem for me. Some of the ancillary characters, you know, seemed for what briefly they appeared, kind of like the the brothel owner or whatever that goes for, uh, whatever she was doing. Um, well, yeah, and, and I like I got to that part, and I'm like, wait, what is she like? I get that she's like a boss of something, but what is she running? Like uh, it's it's a lounge. It, I mean, it looks like she sets up. Uh, companions right it's essentially looks like a, a brothel mm-hmm. um and i think sometimes it's, you know not that too much changes even when scenery changes but it's a book that takes place in the future on uh an illustrious prestigious um essentially rich person's getaway you know it, it was built to essentially escape earth but it was only for rich people so it's like the cool place to go and that's the thing I wasn't really feeling the setting. Like, I, I there, get it, there on. wasn't enough sci-fi in it. Yeah, not even that. I mean, that's actually, if you go back to Copperhead, if you read the the back the, the back material, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things he said was that we don't really focus on the fact that it's a science fiction setting. We're just trying to tell a western, which I yeah. thought was interesting. And mm-hmm. I'm okay if that's what they're trying to do here. Well, but the thing um, is, though, like, it, it, the whole like even the name in it. Roche them like I mean it's not a sci-fi necessary kind of, but it's a scientific sort of thing. Like you need to have you know, Blade Runner. I feel like Blade Runner type settings. Well, I, I honestly I wouldn't say this is too far off from Blade Runner. There's, you know, they it's not like they they shy away from showing spaceships and talking about this this uh, space station essentially. It, another thing, you, you know, but I just. It, it jumped around a lot and maybe that's what hurts the setting more than anything mm-hmm. uh, I'm curious about how much this this Roche or whatever plays into the story and once you get past the first like between the opening sequence and then they show you kind of like that that blueprint the diagram, of, yeah. the, of the, the diagram of the Roche and then the colony and then like I almost feel like I thought the artwork changed between like the first few pages and then past the diagram it seems like it seems like he grew maybe more confident while drawing it from the start to these next pages. There's just something about it where I, I started to like the artwork even more the further I got into the issue. Yeah, there's like something get a little bit different about it. You're right. There's something different about the beginning. The the character work by the end seems much more solid. Uh-huh. Um, you know the, but but now I'm telling you, oh, hold on. I'm kind of looking through this here. If you, if you 
once you're past that blueprint, if you just look through it, aside from some neon signs, you would not have known this is a sci-fi setting in the slightest. Except for the very, well, even the very last page. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Keep, keep talking. No, 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 no. No, you're right. Looking at it. Um, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> brain just exploded. Sorry, that's my fault. No, 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 it's okay. So, and the other thing was that, like, okay, it's like a hard-boiled noir story set, you know, against the backdrop of sci-fi. I get that. So, basically, the, the opening of the issue is, like, these really philosophical... I think, like, the deliberations the word of the day. Like, it's just, it's someone, I'm assuming one of the characters, expressing their thoughts about the universe, life, and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very philosophical. Life, the universe, and everything. He, he yes, forty-two. He plays with the language a lot. Like he's like it's it's clever. He plays with like he he flips certain cliches or he ties them together. Um, um you know, and then basically like ap- past that opening, you know, it just gets into you know it's it's like there for the first couple of pages, and then I think it's like gone, mm-hmm. like for the rest of the book. Um, and then, so when I got to the end, I was like, "Well, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really care about the characters, and I, so I don't really care what's going on with this glowing rock in this this weird this weird hole." Yeah. You know, I just, I, I think that if they slow, if they just slowed down a bit, focused on this this woman who's trying to find her sister and on the drug dealer, you know, and bring in some of the insular characters, maybe leave the the uh, the brothel owner. You know, out for an issue. Yeah, that did, that you know? we didn't need to see that till issue two. You know, um, and things like that, it, and played it a little bit slower. I think it would have been a different experience. Uh, at the end of the day, I definitely think I'm going to pick up issue two. Mm-hmm. I um, will too. But but what I want to see, and frankly, they can tell whatever damn story they want. Right. Um, but I want to see. I want to care about the characters more. And this is just my per. Again, this is my personal perspective on how i deal with mystery stories is that at the end of the day i don't actually care about the mystery i care about the characters the characters make me care about the mystery mm-hmm. and that's when you brought up lost which i find interesting because there's a lot of stuff that does just, just it just goes unexplained in lost but i well but from the get-go it goes unsaid but stuff is some, explained. Going to say, and not everything has to be explained no no what if, i mean is like there, there's you're not necessarily when you finish Lost, you're not necessarily getting all the answers you wanted or hoped for. But what the reason that I like still like the series as a whole is be simply because of the characters. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. You don't have to explain weird Egyptian uh, statues on an island, you know, really far away from Egypt or whatever. Like, it, it, I don't really care about any of that. I cared about the characters and what I always to me. I don't really know. We're about to go on a low Lost rant, but. I didn't care, you know, care, you, you'd learn things during the course of the story based on the, what the characters were going through. It wasn't like the plot was necessarily being thrown at you all the time. You know, mm-hmm. it was character first for me, and that's what I liked. So at the end of the day, I didn't care why the island did this or what this meant or anything like that. We found out or we didn't find, find out. But I, I cared about what happened to Jack, you know, uh, Saeed, et cetera, et cetera. That's right. what I... And that's not, what it all I'm came saying, down to, yeah. That's what I came down to was the characters. So well, what and I would love to see is just more character work. And that there's a great moment, now that we're kind of on Lost here, but this, I'll, this is all tied back in. The second to the last episode of Lost, there's this moment where you know, Jacob is talking to them around a fire. 
And it's this really great moment where he just explains that this whole thing is about, I mean, I'm using very meta terms here. He isn't obviously saying this explicitly, but he's saying, look, this, this whole thing is all about you as people. It's, you know, it's, it's all about these characters very intimately. And, you know, all this stuff with, with, you know, lists and, and, and the bigger stuff with what's going on with the island, you know, none, none of that really matters. Uh, Lost has been over long enough that I'm going to kind of throw a little spoiler out here, uh, which will mean nothing. Uh, go watch Lost. It's fantastic. But anyway, where where Kate asks, you know, why am I no longer on the list? And, and Jacob says to her, because you became a mother. If you want to be on the list, you can be on the list. You know, but what's important is that, you you know, you... You, you had something that was worth you, you know, not... Stepping not, away from this right role that you could have been qualified for. Yeah, exactly. That you were qualified for, but, you know... But now, but now you have something bigger going on. Yeah. And and that, that's just like that just hit, hit home so hard and looking back now at these earlier episodes with the way that we... the ways that we connected with Jack even in that first episode, you know... It was, it was just all just all there like we they did a really good job of drawing us in and maybe maybe this is going to be a book you know i think we'll have a better sense uh, when we have issue two this is going to be a book that when we read it in trade form it's going to work really well it's going to flow mm-hmm. really well it's really hard to judge a number one and yeah, i know we I, ca- I agree we kind of encounter a lot of number ones especially like i pick up number ones just to see, you know, oh, like what's you know what's the taste of it, and also to talk about it on this show. Uh, but but some books just need a little bit more time to to cook, and that could be yeah, entirely I, I what's going read, on here. Yeah, I but, was but, just reading an article the, about how. Oh, sorry, sorry, no, you finish, finish. But finish. but at the same time, number ones are very important. They can kind of make or break a book. But yeah. What were you gonna say? I, I was uh I was reading an article early about pilots. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you know, and certainly when it comes to like TV show pilots, you know, there's a lot more cooks in the kitchen than there is on a comic book, you know. So sometimes getting that initial product out where you're trying to wow people can sometimes hurt the product itself. Mm-hmm. So it, so it's a lot of things where some shows are better, you know, you know, some stories are better as they as they're given time to grow. And sometimes it's unfortunate when like you get to the end of a season of a show that got canceled, and you're like, oh wait, this is starting to click. But no, then it's gone. That's kind you of know, what I, I feel like. Any... Well, I don't think Gotham's going to get canceled. But that's kind of like what you're saying. They're trying really hard for this bigger spectacle aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, and and I and I and I think that you know that's why I want. I definitely want to give Roche Limit, you know, another another shot because it's things where you know cre- the creative process is so fluid, it's so flexible that you know just because you know they. And again, like I said, they can do whatever the heck they want, you know, but I just like I'm trying to put myself in their shoes based obviously projecting my own feelings on the book. But, you know, you can go into one script being like, this is this is what I'm trying to do. This is what I'm uh, hopefully people will get. So maybe maybe I'm just not getting it what they were trying to intend, but something where by the next issue you can say, all right, you know, I think that worked for me. Maybe it didn't work for me. Let's do this. Let, let's actually slow down and work on the characters a bit now that we've kind of established that there's a bigger mystery going on. Yeah. You know, yeah, they, mystery first, character second. And that and that can actually work out okay. Yeah. And people, you know, number ones, it's very typical. Like, let's, let's, let's really put all our cards, as many of our cards on the table as we can. 
which I don't think is always necessary. Um, and sometimes it works really well. I mean, look at trees, you know, but sometimes they're just like, let's, let's just, let's just throw everything out and see what people, you know, let's see what people like. And we'll go from there when like, maybe, you know, it's okay to just, Hey, you know, we're going to introduce this aspect of the story. And then next issue, we're going to work in this other aspect of the story. So you still have this other thing that's grounding you, but it's like, Oh, a new mystery. You're kind of keeping things fresh. And where's all this going? Mm-hmm. All right. You know, I think we've, uh, we, we've been spending a lot of time talking about what, what came out. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, no, not really. All right. Uh, I'm going to recommend, I've, I've, noir movie that I think you'll thoroughly enjoy. Tell me. Uh, it's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I've heard of it. Directed by Shane Black, director of Iron Man 3. Yep. Uh, starring yep. Robert Downey Jr., uh, star of Iron Man 1, 2, and 3. Mm-hmm. You also have Val Kilmer, uh, star of one of the unfortunate Batman films. Maybe I have seen it. Uh, Maybe I've just seen parts of it. Keep going. Anyway, fantastic movie. Super, super good. What Is am it I... on the Canadian Netflix? No, I don't remember. I mean, I, I rented it 100 years ago when uh, renting was a thing. But I'm sure there's some uh, way you can yeah. find it online. It's super good time, super good noir. It's a great black comedy, which I'm all all for. Um, Absolutely. Anyway, we would be remiss to not have a quiz. So I'm going to quiz you, Nick. Oh no! I almost forgot those existed. Yeah. Well, I didn't uh, didn't really get time to prepare, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out one of something from the hat here that we did a while back. I'm going to give you uh, an amalgam character, and you're gonna tell me which DC and Marvel character was mashed together to make the amalgam. All right. All right. I'm good. Uh, as per usual, if you fail, uh, we're going to uh, put two of your family members in a uh, panini press, one on the top, one on the bottom, and then press them together uh, until they are a thing. <laughs> I really... It really makes me want paninis, though. You sick monster. So I'm really <laughs> realizing that I should have... I need to make a note of which ones I've asked before and which ones I haven't, but I think I should be okay nice. to, uh, we'll to ask see. them. All right, first one. Terra X. Terra X? Terror? Like scary? No. Terra X. Te- well, I would normally think something like Professor Xavier, but I think he was covered in a previous one. I don't really know who Tar- Terra would be. Terra. Um, I'm gonna. I, I don't know. I'm gonna have to pass. You're gonna pass on this. You're not gonna give me any sort of guess. Um, I don't. Atar X. Okay. Um, Terra X. Come on, man. Terra. X. X. Oh wait, wait. Terra from Teen Titans. Okay. And X X X X X X X. X-Man? No, 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 X-Man. Um, something I can think of. I'm going to go with X-Man. Okay. So it's an amalgam of DC's Terra 
and Marvel's Terax. Terax. Yes. That is a weird mix. Well, it's so it's funny because it's Terra dash X, which is Terax. Yeah. That they really like. I would never have necessarily put both those characters in the same room together. They. Right. They they really stretched it. All right. So uh, you have missed one. How very unfortunate for you. Um, the next one is. Uh, I asked you that one last time. Apollo. And not the Wildstorm character. So sun-related, possibly. Um, not Superman. Um, some guy, some guy. Maybe a fire guy, maybe. Um, human. Human Torch. Um. um Who else it would be? Um, it's sun related. It's energy related. Okay. I'm to think. My my I, I know DC characters, but like I don't know them like incredibly in depth. Like especially if there's a lot of obscure Amagam characters. Like I'm I'm thinking about someone like who are they from? Is he on the Freedom Fighters? No, I don't think he's on the Freedom Fighters. But he was a. Oh, maybe he was on the Freedom Fighters. Right, I'm gonna start giving you a countdown here. Um. To, uh, okay, I'm just gonna pull one out of my butt. Is it? Is it? Uh, is one of them the Ray? Yes. Okay. Um. Apollo Sun. Um. Magic Heart. I don't know. Mogum of DC's Ray and Marvel's Cyclops. What? Yep. I want to look this character up. Uh, yep, that was a thing. Ray Summers. Ray Summers. All right. So you have missed two. How how terrible for you. Uh, I still have a chance here. You do. The next one is Hyena. Ooh, is that like the Joker? No. Wait, no, those are both DC characters. I was going to say Cheetah and and Harley Quinn, but those are both DC characters. Hyena. Is it the Joker and the Green Goblin? Okay, final guess? Yes. No. It is, is it? It's the Joker slash Harley Quinn, apparently, and Marvel's Sabretooth. What? He was in Creed, Legends of the Dark Creed Claw. Creed Quinn? Creed, yeah, Creed Harley Quinn. All right, well, they're trying to keep... I, I guess, uh, you know, that, that if you if you mix the fact that, like, Batman and Wolverine were put together, then I, I guess that could have been... That, that would make sense. Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> it's, it's turned into a bloodbath. So... A panini bloodbath. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give you a freebie now. Since uh, since you have missed three, okay. and you, you can't you can't actually win. Don't go easy on me. Moonwing. Moon Knight and Nightwing. Yes. What Moonwing? I want to see. Moonwing was apparently a thing. It's actually a super awesome combination. It's also apparently a travel agency. Richard Grayson. 
Yep. What? So his name is is it's Dick's name. Yep. Wow, okay. Was a thing. That is kind of I kind of I don't dislike the costume. Oh, uh, send me a, send me a link to it. All right. But in the meantime. Okay, this last one, which is also semi uh, easy, but I'll be curious if you actually get it. Is Absolutely. Spider Boy. It's uh, Spider Man and Superboy. That <sighs> one I knew. Dang it. That one I knew. Dan. Well, anyway, you've yeah. missed three. Ooh, that's an interesting costume. I like that a lot, actually. Like, not bad. Here's also one that I think you're like. It looks kind of like a Bruce Timm-inspired version. Oops, I didn't mean to open up that. Um, Bruce Timm drawing. It might not actually be Bruce Timm, but it looks like him. Drawing the Almagam characters. Uh, oh, man. Dark Claw was such an unfortunate idea. Oh, and there's Hyena. <laughs> there's Hyena down there in the bottom. Yeah. Uh, anyway, congratulations. You uh, have failed. You. But but a positive is that I now have a delicious panini. <laughs> Made up of uh, your loved ones, you monster. You know what they say, keep your enemies closer and your family in your digestive system. I don't think that's how the phrase goes, actually. <sighs> you got a lot to learn, David. Anyway, with the time we have left, let's talk about some news. New, new, new. News. Uh, Milo Monero variants got canceled. No, they didn't. That's not news. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> it's mostly, uh, mostly TV and movie news this this week. I have to say. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Wolverine, Death Wolverine number four got pushed back. Uh, oh. Copperhead number one is sold out, and they're doing a second printing. Uh, it's actually very exciting. Uh. So let's just go ahead and get the, the DC TV news out here. So three things. Number one, CW uh, has said, I'm using CW generally, Stephen Amell more specifically, has said that uh, they are building a Justice League for TV. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And he was posting on Facebook the other day about how they're doing this big crossover with The Flash, and he's saying like, the way that we've done, we're doing this is unprecedented. You know, not not crossover episodes, obviously, but the way this whole crossover is being done, he mm-hmm. said he's like, he he feels like he's starring in two shows right now. Interesting. Uh, which makes me really excited to see what they're doing. But Absolutely. anyway, he came out and said that you know there's the movie stuff going on that's fine, but with the way that DC is expanding its TV universe that they are going to be building something of a justice league uh people on like reddit and stuff were like oh the people are going to get confused between the movie and the tv show uh give people a little more credit is honestly is honestly my thought there i know we really like to trounce on oh people are so stupid people so dumb we read comics we're so great uh I, I really think that people are not going to be so confused that they're like going to turn their TVs off in anger and be like, that's not that's not the Superman I saw on the big screen. People are going to realize, oh, okay, this is different. Just as somebody reading a comic realizes, hey, this is different from the movies. You know, people are able to separate those things. I don't know why I'm going on this weird rant right now. 
Uh, anyway, I think we we have a thing about going on rants. We do. They're generally angry about, <laughs> about the internet. Don't rant about good things. So, right. Yeah. I'm not like you know what I really like paninis. Uh, mm, paninis. I do really like paninis. Anyway, Stephen, yeah, paninis. Stephen Amell said they're building a Justice League for TV, and there's two possible entries into this Justice League. One of those being Supergirl, who has been picked up uh, by CBS, a full series commitment, um, which is really interesting because it used to be back in the day you're gonna film a pilot and. We're going to see if people like it. If they like your pilot, we're going to keep making episodes, which is kind of how Amazon is treating their streaming original stuff. Uh, and, but instead, here, CBS has said, yep, we're full in. We're going to take a Supergirl TV show. Interesting. It is interesting. I think... Uh, but, but Go on. But um, if it's on CBS, would Supergirl be able to tie into the CW? Uh, CBS is actually owned by... Um, Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers, yes. Oh, okay. So, so it is possible. So why won't they just put it on the CW, if if they're going to exist within the same universe? Um, I think so. They don't kind of overload. They can kind of spread out the wealth, you know. They'll I got you. they'll get people over onto CBS. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to look into uh. Beyond. Which is interesting that I, I don't I believe I don't think yeah Fox has no association with Warner Brothers and yet Gotham, you know about Batman probably Warner Brothers most profitable superhero character is on a Fox television show. Yeah. Uh, so it's being produced by Greg Berlanti who has worked on uh, the Flash and Arrow, and mm-hmm. Ali Adler who worked on Chuck. Uh, great show. I love Chuck. Chuck so. was great. So there's a p- possibility that they'll tie in. People are thinking that it's not going to happen. Um, I think it could. I think this will be the first female-centric superhero show. Uh, and I'm not counting the Peggy Carter thing because that's not a superhero show. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will be the first female-centric superhero show since Wonder Woman. Since the Linda Carter Wonder Woman. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Uh, obviously, I hope that it's not her being, you know, trying to go on dates while saving the world. Mm-hmm. Because that would just make me sad. But at the same time, I'm cautiously optimistic. Hey, uh, if it's good, it's good, and I would definitely enjoy watching it. Now, uh, Nick, what if I told you that we are full on getting a Teen Titans show. Is it Teen Titans or like older Titans? That's great. I know question. it's just being called Titans right now. I am. TNT. Well, I I think they. So there's a Teen Titans show coming to TNT. Um, I think they're not using the word teen because that's going to alienate adults. Mm-hmm. You know, or the casual viewing adult audience. Which makes me think that they might be trying to aim it more in the college crowd. Mm-hmm. And, and for some reason, when I think of the TNT channel, I don't really think of it about hitting the college demographic. Yeah, I don't even know what uh, what original programming TNT has. They used to show Witchblade, so there is precedence for comic book related things. Yeah. Uh, okay. So they have Falling Skies. 
which I've never seen but always been curious about. Right? I really want to watch it. Uh, they have that new version of Dallas that nobody cares about. Uh, Southland was supposed to be, you know, good. Anyway, so TNT is getting a Teen Titans show. That one, I think, will not have anything to do uh, with the other universe. Mm-hmm. Which is sad. But that's also, again, one of those things where it's it's being developed specifically for TNT. Mm-hmm. Instead of, we're going to make a pilot, we're going to shop it around. Yeah. Which, you know... Uh... Honestly, like I, I haven't watched this much TV in years, I know. and uh, it's... part of the reason I haven't watched Gotham is because I, I do tend to watch these superhero-related show, comic book-related shows with my friend, uh-huh. and uh, so we, we've kind of come down to it because it's expensive to drive to each other's houses all the time. That we'll just have like one day a week where, you know, as these shows start coming out, like we'll just pile all the shows and have like just a huge show fest, you know, mm-hmm. like a four-hour you know TV watching binge. No, so wait. I will. I might be a little delayed as it comes to episode by episode basis. Yeah. Um, so apparently they're being a little open with their interpretation because they say based on characters from DC, which I mean that's fine. Everything's now open to interpretation, and I prefer that people make something organic mm-hmm. for uh, for TV. You know, instead of like let's just shoehorn in what we've done in the comics. Um. So there's a lot of rumors. Apparently it is rumored that things will be uh, connected. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. I This is one that I don't know if it should be. You know? I know people really want Nightwing and Arrow. Why do they? What I don't really know what connection at all that, like, that would serve. Well, because we're not going to get Batman. Mm-hmm. You know? But but I feel like you you can't really have Nightwing without Batman. Like you can, but I feel like there's it there's more weight to it if like you know where he's coming from versus it's just some guy named Dick Grayson. You know, took on the name Nightwing. Right. Well, you know what I mean. The character doesn't really make sense without uh without Batman, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they're gonna do this. Yeah, yeah, like you said, it just, it just wouldn't make sense if some of these superheroes got together and were like, "I call myself Beast Boy." Uh, I'm trying to think like what other what other sidekicks are even in Teen Titans. Well, I mean, if you go with like the new the new Teen Titans, the Marvel Wolfman George Perez interpretation, like which it, I'm besides not Kid, to. which Kid Flash, Wonder Girl, and Robin, sure, but um, Starfire, Cyborg, Beast Boy, and Raven are all brand new characters. They can exist without being sidekicks, which makes me think of the upcoming Teen Titans Earth 1 graphic novel by Jeff Lemire and Terry Dodson and Rachel Dodson, which is about teen superheroes in a world where there aren't teen sidekicks. So you're you're seeing the solo teens, not you're not going to see Robin or Wonder Girl or any of them. Mm-hmm. Now, Which, you know, so they could go with that route. So apparently, what's been released so far is it will follow Dick Grayson as the leader. Um, here's what we begin with the kid. So he's starting out as Robin, but it's him searching out and recruiting young crime fighters. So it's going to be like a live action Young Justice. Apparently, yeah, that's that's sort of the idea here. As these characters are already established, and he's looking to make a team. So I wonder how they're going to handle that. I mean, 
you can't really you you could you could come up with reasons for Nightwing to exist. You couldn't mm-hmm. come up with reasons for Robin to exist without Batman, though. He could just be a teen hero named Robin. You know, like, I mean, if they go with the fact that, like in in a, the aforementioned Val Kilmer Batman movie, he came up with the Robin identity himself. I mean, he comes up with the Robin yeah. identity himself in almost every iteration. Let's not talk about that. Uh, but you know, let's say they wanted to bring in Aqualad, like, and there's no adult superheroes. I mean, there's no Aquaman. Is he gonna call himself Aqualad? He might. Why? I guess in that sense, like he he could just be his own thing. And always, all these characters could be rewritten to be their own entities. You know, it's entirely but, possible. Yeah, there's just some that I feel yeah. like. I mean, name wise, I just feel like really couldn't work. Well, Aqualad. Why? Why not? I mean, Aqualad. He he happens to be a, an adolescent. Uh, really good swimmer, you know. And he's like, "Hey, I'm Aqualad." Uh huh. Um, so, you know, some some jerk actor went around saying that he was gonna play, uh, he was gonna be playing Nightwing, and then he was like, "Uh, never mind. Just kidding. It's what I wish I could do." Stephen Stephen R. McQueen. Um, this guy. Name sounds familiar. Uh, I don't know from what. Do you watch the Vampire Diaries, Nick? Uh, no comment. I knew it. Anyway, yeah, I'm no glad comment. it's not this kid. Why is he actually a uh, a douche? I don't know. I mean, if you're post, if you're gonna lie to people and say that you're gonna be something you're not on Twitter, you're a little bit of a douche. Fair enough. Trying to get attention onto yourself. Come on, man. You're better than that. Maybe. I don't know. Hey, Deadpool movie is getting a release date. Oh, that actually is kind of cool. Yeah, that's actually a pretty big deal. It's kind of a, on one hand, I feel like now is the time to strike. It's just funny. It's it's interesting that they never struck earlier, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I feel like, and I don't think it was intentional, but I don't know anything, you know, as far as what goes on behind the scenes. Just in general uh, with life. I feel like I'm very apologetic about things like that. Like, I, I can't, I wasn't there, so I really don't know. But here's <laughs> we, we weren't invited anyway. to the meeting for some <laughs> but, reason. But I, I feel like, you know, if I was a money-hungry, you know, you know, Hollywood executive and I was in control of this property, I would have pulled the trigger on it a long time ago. That being said, well, it's I been it's like been in development hell for a very long time. It has, and I just feel like now there's something about right now where I feel confident about it, well, and I think it's going to be cool. You you had you know you had Tim Miller and Ryan Reynolds saying that oh we're working on a script, but you know the the script we're, script we're working on is keeps turning into an NC seventeen thing. <laughs> um. <laughs> Which, you know, people keep saying, if, if you're going to do a really good Daredevil movie, it absolutely has to be our Daredevil. Uh, I don't know why I said Daredevil. Uh, if you're going to do, like, a really good Deadpool movie, it absolutely has to be rated R. And I don't mm-hmm. think that's true. I think that... I think it has to be rated R. I think that it would allow them to do a little bit more as far as the graphic content. Yes... But the character can... I mean, there's a lot you can imply as well. 
you know, we don't. Need... I think they. I, I think they're trying to go for the whole hog, completely blunt Deadpool, not the, <sighs> and the that, subtle Deadpool. No, I know, and that would be, you know, it'd be great if we did, but if it ends up being like, hey, it's going to be PG thirteen, I'm not going to freak out and boycott it. I'm going to say, okay, let's see what let's see what they're going to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. The rating is, you know, as long as it's a, a funny and compelling and good, you know, entertaining ride, like. Well, Deadpool. I don't. It could be rated PG. Deadpool is twisted, but he's not, like, he's not doing Saw to people all the time. Yeah. You know? And you can, you can get away with a lot in the PG-13 realm. You, you really can. Days. I mean, it's certainly been a lot looser, yeah, these days. Um, I mean, I don't know if they're just trying, they want, like, most swears or anything. We really, really want Deadpool to just say the F-bomb for all his lines of dialogue. Just constantly non-stop but yeah it's it, it's it's cool i'm i'm fine i'm excited to find see the ground i've never been a huge deadpool guy you know but i can appreciate good timing yeah and this is totally when they released that test footage back after comic-con mm-hmm. uh, san diego comic-con it was totally to get attention to it and hype up oh i definitely think this is an outgrowth of that test footage well yeah, well, yeah, but I'm saying, like, you know, oh, it got, it got released. Like, oh, look, somebody released, like, cell phone quality footage. Or, like, you know, someone recording it with a cell phone. Like, that was totally sort of, that was planned. Yeah, that's, that's a vibe I get. And, and Which is fine. I mean, it was kind of, if something didn't start happening soon, it was not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, at least not with this current team up. And I, I know that Ryan Reynolds um, has not been fully confirmed for the project. I think that it's likely likely that he will be on it. I, I really want it to be Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head who's going to have that same snark and you know quick wit. Like he's gonna, he's, 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 he's so got, attached to the character now. Like yeah. I, I I we we've been pro- it's like we I don't want to say we've been promised, but like we've been Kinda. promised a Ryan Reynolds Deadpool and. You know, I'm sure there's, there's there's other you know just as if not more capable actors that could still do it, but like we'd be wanting that Ryan Reynolds. He's got know? he's got the snark that we love. Uh, they pushed back Fantastic Four for this, by the way. Yeah, which I don't I don't well, think it says anything this, about but, the quality. Well, I don't think it says anything about the quality of the film. Did you see those? Do- all, but, did you see those Doctor Doom pictures? Uh, I didn't really zero in on them though. I don't know. It looked kind of weird. I I won't. I'm not gonna judge it until I see the final product on that one. It's right, gonna be it's gonna be familiar, but like different from what people want out of a Fantastic Four film. I just want to, you know, find a way to appreciate for what it's gonna ultimately be. Yeah, obviously there's very little to be said about it right now. I mean, who knows what's gonna look like in post? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's just so much about this film that's unknown. It's interesting. You'd think that they would be building hype up about it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, here's some behind the scenes. You know, we're gonna do like a behind the scenes featurette. Here's a bunch of cast photos of them in their costumes. It, it has been fairly quiet. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I feel like something, some, some hands gonna be tipped. In soon, we're gonna see a little bit more. By yeah. the end of the year, beginning yeah. of next year. Well, and the mystery is only going to go so far before people are just going to completely forget that anything's going on. Yeah, you know, exactly. People, you kind of need to remind. They have to remind people soon. Mm-hmm. 
I absolutely agree. All right. I think, uh, let me look at the show notes. I think that's it. Oh, yeah. Uh, DC Comics has twice as many 299 books as everyone else combined. I just thought that was really interesting. I don't know if I, 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 don't, I didn't post the links in there. I'll send it to you right now. It um, would be nice if, you know, more people had 299 books. Yeah, no. It absolutely would. Um, they have the final numbers down at the bottom. Uh, so DC Comics in December will have 68 299 books. Everyone else combined is 35. Yeesh. That's almost double. Like, that is insane. Comics have gotten so expensive. It is, and that's what I'm saying. Print the, the regular stuff on... Uh, uh-oh. I don't know what happened to Nick here. So I, I will just slightly interject here while we figure out and get him back on the air. Uh, Loki, sorry, I keep looking at these pictures here. Loki, Agents of Asgard, just jumped up to three ninety nine, absolutely unnecessarily. There's really, really no reason for Loki, Agents of Asgard, to be a three ninety nine book. And they're doing it just because the character is hot right now. I wouldn't even say this because he's hot. I would say, like, their Marvel's reasoning for that extra dollar is that you get a digital copy. All three ninety nine Marvel books come with a digital copy. It, uh, you know, and presumably if they're if they're four ninety nine or five ninety nine or whatever, like you're getting more page content and the the digital copy. Now, obviously, your mileage may vary as far as your 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 perception of value in that that digital copy. I have spent some time trading codes, so there's actually some books that. I wouldn't have otherwise read had I not essentially gotten the book for free, yeah. you know? Uh, and I also get a discount through my, my, my comic shop. So I, I, it's like 20%. So for like a three ninety nine book, you know, I'm paying like three nineteen. I think. Um, so in a lot of ways, the code is only like an extra 20 cents to me. Um, so the, the, I, I have found value in them. I also read considerably more Marvel books than you do. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And a little bit, to be honest, this price and all of that. Uh, the digital copy thing is is absolute bull. And I have to give it to Marvel. They have done a really good job of maximizing their buck. They ship, you know, like five Spider-Man books a month. Uh, they print everything, pretty much everything, on ridiculously cheap paper. And then they're charging an extra dollar for a digital copy, knowing full well that let's say a thousand people buy the book out of that thousand people, you maybe have a hundred who give it to a friend or who download it themselves or who trade it off. To be honest, you're going to have way more than half of that number. Never redeem the digital copy ever. Cause they have the physical copy. They've read it. Why do they need the digital copy? And, mm-hmm. and Marvel, Marvel knows that, you know, I don't, I don't mind that I'm not getting a digital copy when I'm buying Batman. Yeah, I don't. I, you know, I don't. But you're that. still spending three ninety nine for I think roughly the same page count. You get a couple more pages, which I'm I'm more willing to do. You know, All I'm right. still I'm still upset about the whole Wolverine thing, and I think looking at Multiversity, like Multiversity was a four ninety nine book. There's so many pages of story in there. True. Fair enough. Yeah, it anyway. really comes and and the content varies as far as the the creative team's intent on like 
you know, say like a Brian Bendis book, like they're so stretched out. He focuses more on these individual moments, mm -hmm. you know, like he really spaces out, like uh, stretches out individual moments, you know, that I feel leaves his chapter by chapter, his, his the, the content feels slim. Whereas, yeah. like you said, in a book like Multiversity, I feel like even if it had been like a normal 20, 22 pages of story that, you know, it still would have felt substantial. Maybe you lose some atmosphere from panel to panel. You know, it just it depends from what your expectations of each writer are, what, mm -hmm. how the art interacts with it. Like there's so many things that go into the the potential for a reader to enjoy a book. And of course, it's subjective because everyone enjoys different things. Yeah. Um, but so it's also interesting how many because there's so many um, indie books that are now like 350 to 399. Those ones I'm like it makes a little more sense to me, considering if you if you look at a book like Saga, they don't have ads in them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's it's kind of the whole idea. Of, you know, I'm paying for Netflix so I can watch TV shows without commercials. I mean, not the whole reason, but that certainly helps. Uh, that's part of the reason I'm not going to pay for Hulu Plus because why would I pay to watch commercials? Uh, I that's that's I have a yeah problem with Hulu Plus, and a lot of people have issues with Hulu Plus. But anyway. Yeah, a bunch of these these smaller books, which a lot of them don't have ads. I'm I'm I understand paying a little bit more because they're not offsetting that cost. Yeah, that's true. You are else. paying a lot for a Marvel book that also is still littered with ads. I shouldn't say littered, but it still has ads. Yeah, times it's littered. It's okay. I, there was a time. This was a few speak years Speak freely, ago. Nick. Speak freely. I don't speak freely. I'm afraid to express my true thoughts. Um, this is going to one day be used to indict you. So yes. Um, there was uh, a period a few years ago at Marvel where, like, their books were overloaded with ads. Yeah. And then it got to the point where, like, all right, well, we're going to have all the ads, but we're going to put the majority of them in the back of the book. So you still had a ton of ads, but they're all in the back, um, if I'm remembering this co correctly. But it was just, like, and, and then they, like, they pulled away from that. But it, it was, just, I'm just trying to think back on it because it, it's funny that, you know, I've, I've, I've been reading comic books for so long you know that like i just i barely even notice the ads mm -hmm. that they're there like i notice them but i use them like a page break like you don't necessarily know like when you're right like writing the script like where the ads are going to get placed and i know that there's certain tricks when you're writing a script like um like you know teasing a, a reveal should be at the the bottom right of like the left page or on on the end of the right page so when you're flipping you know you'll see it but, you know, I, I just like I, I act as if it's like almost like I'm watching a TV show. And, oh, it's a commercial break for like a split second, it, like mm -hmm. not even a second, like a millisecond, you know? Yeah. But some people seem to have problems with them. Yeah, just generally. I mean, you know, we complain about them, but at the same time, BoJack Horseman. BoJack, we would not have we not, not necessarily, I mean, but something about the fact that we made such a joke out of BoJack Horseman made us want to actually follow up on it. I probably still and, would have eventually watched it out of curiosity, but the reason I was watching it day one was because of the comics. Yeah, so. it worked. Advertising worked. My God, it's a monster. Uh, I think you know that's gonna that's gonna do it for us. Let's do our recommendations and get the H out of here recommendation time i'll go first you're gonna go first all right first because I, I i actually want to recommend outcast because maybe it'll get you to catch up <laughs> okay i thought you were gonna steal my recommendation i was gonna 
What was your recommendation? I already told you. Anyway, continue. Did you tell me? Oh, yes, boy. I did. Anyway, so um, Outcast, go ahead. Outcast. Robert Kirkman, you know, who needs no introduction. I've heard of him. I've Paul, heard of him. He, he, he's, he's been around. Uh, and Paul, and I'm butchering this, Azaceta, uh, Azaceta, something like that. Um, the book's actually called Outcast by Robert Kirkman and Paul Azaceta. I, I guess another publishing company has the quote-unquote rights to the, the, the title Outcast. And so, like, they have to put their names on the title, like, like when if you're filling out like a shipping form, like an ordering form, like that's technically what you'd have to write down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting, but it's not here nor there. Um, it's it's Kirkman's self-described attempt at a true horror book. He says that like The Walking Dead, and uh, I'm paraphrasing here, isn't a real. You know, maybe it's a thriller and there's horror elements, but it's not a horror book. Mm-hmm. You know. Outcast is his attempt at creating a, a horror atmosphere in on the comic page, which I think is incredibly difficult to do because you have more control over the pacing of the story. Yeah. So if I just don't like something, I put the book down. I'm like, I'll come back to that when I'm feeling less chicken shit. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> we've kind of talked about this when the book first came out. Yeah. And, 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 um, but the, the, now that I've given you know that's four issues in, I'm really digging the characters, and it's a sl- it's a slow burn. Like there's enough there in there in the beginning that I, I I was able to latch onto the characters. At the same time, being immersed in the atmosphere, I I actually I, I feel it whenever I step away from the book. I, there's a certain feeling like that's kind of hovering around me, you know, from reading it that like you get from a book that's truly engrossed you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, it comes down to kind of what I was saying before, I don't really care what the overarching mystery is. There's some, there's like this, this, this older man that clearly knows something about the greater story that's going on. And uh, I'm intrigued by him, but I, I like seeing these relationships that, you know, we keep being introduced to that surround Kyle Barnes, the main character uh, and the priest. I, uh, or I don't know if, I don't think he's a priest, but he's like, or he's a reverend. He's a whatever. Right. Um, Religious um, figure. You know, and uh, uh, he's he's not necessarily, he is, but he's he isn't sort of that, you know, when they take like a, you know, priests are supposed to be upstanding and moral. And he's kind of like a guy where in his free time, like he's playing poker with some friends and like he's smoking cigarettes and he's saying like, God doesn't care about masturbation. Think like things like that. But a wholesome the, the, message for the children. Exactly. Um, you know, but he's not he's not necessarily he's not lost. Like he's not a lost preacher. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's, he's confident in his message. Um, and that, that, that he feels like he has such a, a strong idea of, you know, what it means to be a believer and all that, that he, you know, that he can go play poker, you know, he can go gamble and he can be cool with things like masturbation just because like, maybe he just thinks that other uh, factions just like take it way too seriously. You know, I just there's something refreshing about him that that I I'm, I really want to get to know the preacher more. But uh, sorry, it just totally reminded me. Uh, have you watched uh, the Leftovers yet? Nope. Okay, there's a there's a preacher character in there that kind of fits that bill. Okay, I'll definitely check it out. But long, long story short, if you if you want sort of a, a mystery that if, if Kirkman is going to treat this like, you know, Invincible or The Walking Dead, you know, it's definitely going to spool out, you know, over quite a few issues. 
Um, and, but the, I think from the, the outset, there's, there's, there's a real creepiness to it. Uh, there's a real atmosphere to it. And the characters themselves, Kyle Barnes, the Reverend, uh, Kyle Barnes, uh, uh, foster sister and, uh, her husband. And, and the, like, there's the, these, the, the, the actual mysteries that I care more about are these little things that happened in the past, some of which relate to the possession, other things that don't like mm -hmm. in, in one of the issues, Kyle's, uh, foster sister's husband helps him beat up a guy that, uh, I'm assuming like sexually assaulted his sister, um, in the past, you know, but it, it's just, it's executed in a way that I think it's, uh, it does really well. And artistically, I, I, I've enjoyed as Paul's work in the past. Um, but he does these little things with like inset panels, like just little square panels where like, you know, he focuses on a character's fit expression. You know, even like it, you have like a wider shot panel and then like, you know, the, the reverend's getting out of a car. Maybe they're about to go, you know, stop, you know, do a stop, uh, exercise, a, a demon or something. And like then there's this little inset panel nearby that like focuses on his face and like you see it, you digest it and then you move on. And you don't realize how much it, it actually helps you get into the characters. I just think that's really cool. It's actually it's, it's, it's something that they, they flex basically every issue. But I think it, it, it doesn't come off as a gimmick. It, it really helps me continue to feel more immersed in the story. Very cool. You know, because it, it allows you to, as far as, like, panel content, that you can still have sort of, like, a manageable amount of panels. But but be able to, you know, instead of having one panel, like, three different panels dedicated to trying to show a person's expression, you have one panel that kind of sets the scene, gathers the characters, but also gives you a close-up of things that are going on that you wouldn't necessarily have known if they had not included the inset panel. Anyway, check out Outcast. It's really cool. It's available on Comixology, and hopefully there's issues available at your local comic book store. Yeah, my shop sells a lot. I have to, I have to check because I picked up number four today, and I was thinking, like, wait, did I ever get number three? So I have to check to see if I have number three. Uh, and at the rate that I catch up on stuff, I should be all cut up on Outcast by 2016. Yeah, there so you go. I'll Plenty give, of time. I'll give my opinion then. Um. Anyway, no, very cool. I I like that Kirkman's doing some new stuff. Not not that he doesn't. He's not doing a great job with, um. You know, Walking Dead and Invincible and stuff like that. But it it's, you know, with how many issues there are of all that, it, it can get a little like stale. Like, all right, you know, give me something new. You've been mm -hmm. doing the zombie and superhero stories. Like, what else you got? Exactly. And now he's trying his hand at something new, and it seems to be working out for him. People like I it. I agree. Anyway, my recommendation for this week is a little out of the box. Uh, I'm recommending that everybody go over to humblebundle.com slash books and donate some money and pick up a whole lot of Valiant Comics. Lots. Um, lots of Valiant comics, actually. Um, they are doing. If you don't, if you're not, if you're unaware of Humble Bundle, it's essentially a website where you go in, you donate some money. A chunk of it goes to charity. Um, a chunk of it goes towards the company itself, and then a little bit go towards uh, Humble, the like the the Humble company to keep themselves running. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have, you know, it's generally like video games. Um, and I think books is, is fairly newer. Uh, but anyway, right now they're doing Humble. So if you just do any 
any amount of donation. If you go donate a dollar, you are going to get Archer and Armstrong, uh, XO Man of War, Harbinger, Quantum and Woody, and Unity. Uh, the first you know eight issues of all of those volumes one and two you're going to get those plus a shadow man pc game who cares about that uh, if you pay a little bit more than the average you're going to get some additional stuff you'll get eternal warriors uh, bloodshot uh, i think quantum and woody volume three is on there you know if you pay yeah. So if you pay the average, which is $10, $15, you get a whole bunch of volume threes from the regular set. Uh, oh yeah, so the overall worth of all of this is $510. And that, you know, that's paying full price, um, which you might be likely to do at most comic shops. Maybe you can find some of these used somewhere around there. But you're going to get tons of comics. And I know for me picking this up this is stuff that i'm not normally gonna go get mm -hmm. uh, part of that is the regular price point of valiant comics part of that is <laughs> there's so much here that i got uh by paying 15 bucks that you know if i i wouldn't have picked all this up because it would have cost me so much money and mm -hmm. i got it for absolutely dirt cheap and so now despite the fact that my to-read pile continues to grow. <laughs> <laughs> it's becoming a monster. It, it really is. Now I have a, a lot of this to add on there. That's um, really cool because whenever I feel like it, I have this stuff on my computer. I can put it on my phone or if you have an iPad or something like that. Um, or if you, you know, a comics reader on any tablet or anything, you can take it with you. Super convenient. It's, it's none of the physical copy, copies, which... You know, I like physical copies, um, but and, and that's what I thought initially. So I was like half expecting like just like this giant just, box yeah. of comics to show. It up makes it like, makes sense what? that it's not. It makes sense that it's not. And I even knew that humble bundle was all like digital stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, uh, but you've only got five days. It's only I don't know why we didn't know about this sooner, but it's yeah. only until uh, October. It's looking like so. Go get on this before it's too late. Spend fifteen like it's hot. Spend fifteen dollars, get over five hundred dollars worth of comics. Like this is such a good deal, you would be stupid not to do it. Yeah. Like even even if you're like, oh, I don't really know if I want to read Valiant. Nope, shut up, go do it. Yeah, exactly. If you, fifteen if you, bucks. You were gonna spend that fifteen dollars on something completely stupid anyway. And you're gonna you're gonna get so much stuff. You're gonna find something you like. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, oh well, whatever. Give your digital copies to a friend. You know. Yeah. So that is going to do it for us. I've, I've only just barely started reading some of them. I really need to tackle my to-read pile, so I think i got to put this stuff on the back burner. We, we need to take a, a vacation just to read comics. Not, not from this show, just from our lives. You, exactly. <laughs> we'll still... Shut down our lives. I, I had the day off today, and what did I do? What did I... I could have been read so many comics. Instead, I watched so many episodes of Once Upon a Time Season 3. I don't I know like why... Huh? I thought you didn't like that. It's show. Stockholm syndrome, man. It's I, Stockholm. It's trapped you, and you're just okay with it. At this point, yeah, it's exactly what's going on. And, and you were making fun of me for having at one time, a long time ago, possibly watching the Vampire Diaries. Oh, I know why you watch the Vampire Diaries. That's a story for another day. Oh, I could say so many things, but you know, it's either here nor there. It's <laughs> we've almost been talking for two hours, so we're gonna we're gonna end things here. 
Uh, thank you so much for giving us a listen. You can go over to heckyeahcomics.com to find out more about us, other stuff going on there. You can email the show at heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, questions, concerns, etc., etc. You can follow the show on Twitter at heckyeahcomics, all one word. You can find me on Twitter, David Luzader, at davluz, that's D-A-V-L-U-Z. Uh, you can find Nick... Uh, Buried under a giant pile of Valiant comics. I was going to say that. Or um, crying over the deceased bodies of his family members, Preston to Panini, as he eats them. Uh, (laughs) And as always, if you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends. And if you hated it, then please tell your enemies. Until next week, goodbye. Oh, by the way, it was National Comic Book Day. Worst episode ever.